Hi, this is From My Geology to Unity, Logos Legacy. Today I'm interviewing Barry Nicolau. Barry Nicolau is a blogger, podcaster, and corporate life coach. Barry takes an holistic approach, focusing on culture as energy and addressing issues such as creative visualization, changing our thoughts, working with the subconscious, personal fulfillment, and more. Whether it relates to personal development or business success, that's what he's about. So, hi, Barry. How are you doing? <laughs> Nicholas, good. Thank you for having me here, and thank you for the time zone difference. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a... It can be a challenge when someone's in Australia and I'm in the UK, but... It definitely, definitely is. Most of the times I'm on in the US and it ends up being a very early morning for me and, an, and a mid-afternoon over there. And uh, here it's about nine o'clock at night. Um, and I believe what, it's just after lunch for you, is it? Or what time it's actually 10 past 10, exactly. 10 past 10, I was way off. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice and early. So thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, so... How do you describe what you do and why you do it? Listen, I think, um, I think we all get to certain points in our lives where um, the status quo isn't working anymore. Uh, we all have moments of clarity that are inactioned. Um, and then we get to a position in our life that I guess we start to listen to something within ourselves that's been there all along. That happened to me in 2015, approximately eight years ago now. Um, and I decided to act on an intuitional feeling that I received at a cemetery of all places. Um, kind of, I'm not sure if you've ever walked around a cemetery, Nicholas, not, not to actually attend a funeral, but to actually just have a little wander around the graves. And what you find are um, you start doing the maths between the years people were born and when people died and, and you discover something, you discover that not everyone was in their eighties and nineties when they passed, you know, there was 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds in this cemetery and a sudden realization of um, finiteness came over me that life is not forever. You know, we are in a position where we can live these 60, 70, 80 years if we're lucky. Um, and I looked at my life at that point and I wasn't happy. I was unfulfilled. I mean, I was earning money, don't get me wrong. I was supporting my family, but there was a yearning in me that wasn't getting my stuff out of the, the things that I had inside that I wanted to communicate with the world. And, um, and uh, I kind of heard three words. This is going to sound esoteric. It's going to sound spooky. I, I felt three words um, and those three words were live your life. And I don't quite know how they were communicated and it still scares me to talk about this to date because, because of how supernatural it felt for me. Um, and then I did the most obvious thing with that. I dismissed it. I didn't think anything else of it. I mean, live your life. It wasn't really um, anything um, from an epiphany point of view. It was just three words that meant nothing almost. And then I went to bed that night and the word your um, was burning in my subconscious, like live your life. Don't try to live a life based on what your parents, your friends, your school teachers, your, your colleagues, don't live a life based on what they think. Live a life that is true to your yearning, true to what you believe to be needed in the world and that you can offer. Um, and I didn't know what that was. 
Um, I know I'd like to inspire people. I know I liked when people left my company and felt motivated. I, I loved that. So I just started writing at 3am in the morning about the things that lit me up, the things that truly, truly inspired me. And it wasn't meant to be a book. Um, there wasn't meant to be chapter headings. It was just a brain dump of information. That turned into a, a, a year-long affair of, of writing and researching and, and really getting enthralled in the excitement of what I was writing about. And um, a, year, a year later, I had this thing that looked like a book. I did put some chapter headings into it as if something's going to happen. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, where am I going to go with this thing? Like, I know no publishers. I don't know anyone. I don't know any other authors. I know no one in the publishing industry. How does this even work? And then this is what happens, Nicholas, when you're on your path and you're on, when you're on your journey. Magic happens that you can't quite explain logically. I get this random Facebook message, right? An advert on Facebook that said, we publish books. If you have a manuscript, we'd love to hear from you. And I'm like, that's random. I mean, only my wife and I knew that I was writing, right? Um, and I get in touch with John. We go on Amazon and we launch this campaign. We got to number one in six countries and 19 categories on the website with my first book. An online course has since come from that. But you get to an understanding, and it's not even about the book or anything else right now. What it's about is you get to an understanding that when you're no longer fighting, when you've given up the struggle and just give into what you want to do, then all of a sudden the green lights happen often and they happen quite quickly in your life. When I'm up against a red light or when I'm up against a struggle, it always happens to me, by the way, I do come up against red lights, but I make sure that I've pushed all my green lights where they can go before I look at the red light. I make sure that I can, I've, I've pushed everything that I can. And those green lights end up circumvening the red light and I keep moving forward. And it's a, it's a very strange practice that I've put into play, but I believe that I might have tapped into this, this world of the unknown, this world of making sure that you listen to yourself and then you start co-creating a future based on the subconscious and the power of thought, the power of kindness. It's you start trusting without necessarily having all the pieces of the puzzle in front of you. You start trusting that the right pieces show up when they're meant to show up. And it's very, very unusual for some respects because I wasn't that way inclined. But now I've, I've used that methodology moving forward and it is, um, it is absolutely outstanding for me to pass these messages on to just trust the process that you're on. It's pretty wild. So yeah. Yeah, so trusting the process that you're on. Now, mm. I guess we're on a process of life, right? No, so we need to trust how it's all playing out, I guess. Well, personally for you, like yeah. like get micro get micro about it. Don't worry about what's happening outside your four walls right now and get to a process where do you have something that you've always wanted to do, but there's been deciding factors that have intervened that says, no, Nicholas, don't do that. And is that a personal, a very personal decision that's been taken away from you? And if the answer to that is yes, then you have a responsibility at some point to revisit that decision and see if you have made the right choice. 
and I think a lot of people do go through that. Um, family members are sometimes, I love them to death, but they are also the largest um, cynics of what I believe is right for me. And I've had to create a very um, love-based boundary around myself to say, listen, I'm not asking permission. I'm just letting you know this is what I'm doing. I'd love your blessing, but if I don't get it, it's not going to derail me. Getting to that place where you come from a sense of honesty and trust and purpose and love on your life with your decisions. And you don't want to look back on 30 years time that says, well, I could have done that when I was 27, but I didn't do it because other people had an influence. So to clarify, you're not trying to justify it or like getting angry about other people. It's just simply like, no. I'm sorry, I'm going to do this. And yeah. that's, I think it's best for me. And that's all there is to it, really. Well, yeah, well, because because the people that love you will say you have my, most of the people that love you that will say you, you have my blessing. The people that are coming from a fear-based, control-based mindset will say, not until you jump through these 20 hoops. And then I'll let you know if that's okay after that. And it, it, it seriously comes from a, from a, from me, from what I've understood and from what I've gone through being Greek and having a codependency on the family. It comes from a place of not needing that codependency and not needing that permission. It comes from a place of, if this really means a lot for you, you shouldn't need to ask for permission. You should just move forward with the pieces of the puzzle that you have. And once you do that, you start to live a life with no regret because you've made personal choices. Yes, Nicholas, some of those choices will be poor, but some of those choices, choices will be good. So are you willing to let go of the poor ones or the good ones and just say, well, no, I, I don't want that. And someone else can rule my life. I, I've been in that situation and it doesn't, it doesn't lead to a life of freedom. It leads to a life of conformity. And, um, Hey, I'm there for family. I love it. I think that it's great, but I just don't run every decision past them. I don't think that they need to know everything. I think that it's a very personal journey. And um, if you think about it, your mum and your dad gave birth so you could live your life, not so you could live their life. And that's something yeah, that's that I've great. learned the hard way. <laughs> so when it comes to intuition, mm -hmm. um, what form does it take and how do you know if it's intuition, mm -hmm. what, uh, you know, your subconscious or your higher mm -hmm. self wants? Or First of all, I will. Or, yeah, or something else. Great question. It's a really good question. Um, and the, before we get to that, I'd like you to consider something. As you become more spiritually aware in who you are and what you're moving forward with and, and moving into the unknown, if that's a path that you want to progress on, you start to realize that 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 intuition and, and spiritually, spirituality are intrinsically linked. Spirituality is not a thinking thing. It is not a logic-based analysis. It is a feeling thing. 
it is something that you feel is true within yourself and it doesn't matter the logic that could argue against it it ends up being a fallacy for you it ends up being something that just isn't true so you know something someone's if someone's had a certain experience and you try to convince them otherwise and their knowingness is fighting you on it their knowingness will win the day because they have experienced it in their reality you haven't experienced it so it comes from a sensation of well i don't understand it it looks suspicious to me surely we can logically argue this away and you can see it for what it is for the person that's experienced it and they've listened to their own intuition it ends up being quite a personal endeavor and and I have been the type of person to argue with people and say, well, could it have been this or could it have been that or could it have been something else? And they've looked at me and said, Barry, maybe, but I can't ignore this feeling that I've been given. And these people have gone on to do incredible things based on that belief, based on that knowingness, based on their personal intuition. And I guess what we're talking about here is the difference between left brain and right brain. It comes down to understanding that we need both hemispheres working in tandem to be able to move forward creatively and logically, not just logically, right? So we, you come to a realization that um, it's really important to use both. I mean, to give you a quick analysis, um, Albert Einstein opened up this door for me about six, seven, eight years ago when I read a quote, you know, Einstein himself, you know, the father of science and, and, and knowledge turned around and said, you know, the most important question every human being on the planet must answer, they must answer this question, Nicholas, is whether they believe they live in a toxic universe or whether they believe they live in a friendly universe. That is a question you have to answer. Now, the point of the question is not to sit there with endless debate, citing examples of friendliness and toxicity. The aim of the question is to reduce your answer to one premise, to one answer. Can you do that? Can you say with hand on heart that the world is either a toxic place or a friendly place? And the reason that Einstein asked it is to get us to a situation in understanding that we will create a reality based on the answer. We will create a trajectory in life based on the answer that we give. So if you're the kind of person, and there's no judgment here, but if you're the kind of person that says, well, Barry, I believe that the world's a toxic place. And let me tell you why. COVID, the Ukraine, recession, impending recession, global financial crisis, all these horrible scenarios that are happening. And this is your reasoning. And this is the evidence you're providing. And it's true. Right. And this is why I believe the world's a toxic place. And the next person will say, well, Barry, I'm seeing marriages get back together. I'm seeing fathers that are forgiving their kids. I'm seeing kids that are forgiving their parents. I'm seeing that right now. I'm seeing students that are struggling really hard at university that are getting the degrees that they want through a lot of sacrifice. I'm seeing that as well. I'm seeing refugees in bordering countries to the Ukraine that are taking in other foreign countries that are taking in refugees from the Ukraine. I'm seeing that people they don't know. I'm seeing people welcomed into homes, strangers. I'm seeing that on the news. I'm seeing that as well. So I think the world's a friendly place because I believe in the good of the human heart. I believe that's true. And then you look at both sides of the argument, Nicholas, and you ask yourself a question, who's right and who's wrong? And you realize something, they're both correct. Then they are both living 
physical tangible experiences based on their original viewpoint from Einstein's question. I believe the world is a friendly or a toxic place. So if you can see examples in the world where the world's going downhill, you have to balance it. You can't just sit there and say it's all going this way because you're ignoring the other 60, 70, 50, 60, 70 percent of the goodness that's going on that you're not quite privy to, but it is happening. But it's just not being spoken of in the news. Or it's not being spoken of with family circles because we're all obsessed with the fee based happenings in the world. So I when I look at my life. I look at it as a friendly world because there are people consistently hopping on the phone, um, hopping on podcasts and saying, Barry would love to have you on. Where can I buy your next book? It's very interesting for me that you're writing about this stuff. And it ends up being, well, this is a friendly place. Look at what's going on around me. Now I'm no different to anyone else. So what's changed? It's that I view the world in a certain way. And then life is giving me frequencies of vibrations of people that are also the same match. So I'm living a life based on that experience. So everyone can, it's just what, what you give them more energy towards. That's a very long winded answer. I don't even no, know if no. I've answered your question, Nicholas. That's a good answer. Cause I was going to ask you another question, but I kind of, Please. Kind of answered that. <laughs> I've, I'm so sorry. I, I, um, no, 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 no. It's a good too. thing. It's a good thing. Don't worry. So basically yeah. it sounds like you're saying there's different energies and you can break it down to there's love or fear, right? And you choose. And then what you get is based on that choice. Well, what you receive is uh, if you, if you honestly believe it, here's the thing I need to ferret out. Okay. Human beings are really good at saying one thing and feeling another. You get in life what you're feeling because what you're feeling is what you mean, not what you say. We're all really good at saying, I'm fine. Everything's fine. How's the parents? Fine. How's your wife? Fine. How's the job going? Fine. How it's fine. And then, you know, Nicholas under all of that fine is something different. You feel it just with catching up with people, right? But you might not want to prod. You just might want to go, oh, okay, that's good. You know, you're fine. Anyway, if you want to talk to me, you can let me know. We can go for a coffee or something. And if you've got any other stuff you want to talk about, but you feel it. Now the universe responds to the not fine. The energy responds to the not fine. It doesn't respond to the fine because the fine is not true because you're not and I'm not. So you get to a situation where how can your words and your meaning be at the same level rather than having this disparity of uh, I'm thinking that I'm okay, but really what I'm feeling is down here. So I've tried to become a student of saying what I mean and meaning what I say. And sometimes that repels some people and sometimes it brings people closer to me because I'm real, right? So your circles start to change. Your, your social circles start to shift. Your family dynamics start to shift because you don't have time to play in the politics of, of, of having these dual layer conversations that isn't really who you are. So you start to open yourself up to, I'm actually being me right now and this feels good and I'm attracting good scenarios and I'm helping great people and they're asking me for this feels really good. My life right now feels really good. What's changed? It's because you've let go of the duality. You've let go of the, uh, the need to be adhering to somebody else's standards or somebody else's thoughts or some, somebody else's uh, conceptions of what you should or should not be doing. You're finally stepping into who you are meant to be. And it's hard to do it 
but it's necessary if you are to live a life of no regret and if you are to live a purpose based on your strongest talents, your deepest passions and what you want to bring out into the world for the next you know, four or five decades, what do you want to do? And if you don't start walking on this path, a lot of time will lapse and then you'll be the 50-year-old or the 60-year-old that says, I wish I could turn back the clock. And you realize that you can't. So today you have the time machine. Today you're young. You're the youngest that you're ever going to be, right? So make the moves that best align with who you are as a person. And all of a sudden, the right energies, the right frequencies in terms of people, scenarios, situations, then match that and bring you into a scenario that best if mentions of who you are. Like it best brings out your personal dharma your personal passion that makes you you if that makes any sense yeah it does so what do you do on a bad day or when it's even when you're living oh, a true life something happens and all it's the, like all the time how are you okay or positive how do you be well, okay with what's not okay first of all i'm not um i go i feel the feeling and and um oh my god i do get I get bad days, like literally, because when you're holding so many people up, when you're, when you're trying to be positive for so many people, it gets heavy sometimes. Um, and then what I do is, this is going to sound really strange, but if you can do this, you'll actually find a secret key to, to the happiness that you want, is to, while I'm sitting there in my, um, my depression, let's call it, um, I also go, okay, Barry, you feel like crap, you feel down. Is there anything in your life right now that's going okay? And then I go, well, if I had to answer that, I guess I do have my health and I do have a little bit of money in the bank and I do have my family and I do have my house and I do have my friends and family. All those things are kind of going okay, um, but I feel down still right and then i what i do nicholas is that it wasn't the disparity wasn't here now the disparity ends up being something like this so i don't feel as bad but i've just introduced a few things that i'm grateful for like truly truly grateful for and what tends to happen is that it starts to level out you start to kind of go not immediately maybe it might take one or two days but you start to think well, even if what I'm going through right now doesn't work out and, and, and I look at the reason of why I feel bad and even if it doesn't happen, let's just say it doesn't, what I want, it doesn't happen. I've still got all this great stuff going on and I'm blessed for that. Like I'm really, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I have got so many good things happening. So I tend to live there more than I live in the bad of the day because do you know what Nicholas we've got so much more good to be grateful for than the bad <laughs> that we see in the That's world you just it is man you need to pay it attention is. to it you wake up you feel rubbish you hit it on the head you hit it on the head and there's birds chirping out the window but you might not even notice it unless you pay attention to that so you've just hit it on the head. You you have just nailed it 100%. So whatever you give your attention towards, you will expand. It's it's really simple. It's like 
you know what it's like? It's like a garden hose. If you direct your garden hose at four plants and you leave the fifth one and you don't give it any water, which four are you going to see grow? Well, you're going to, the last one's going to die, right? Because you're not giving it the attention. So what are you giving attention to right now that you don't want to grow? That's the question you have to answer. Yeah, well, and, and most people go, well, I've been giving attention to these six, seven areas all my life. And yeah, I'm living an okay, comfortable life. It's not that great, but it's okay. But they're actually giving water to the things that they don't want to grow. And what I'm saying is, what if you just redirected that hose to other plants that you do want to see growth? So it's, let's consider it as energy, right? Take that energy from the things that you don't want to see grow and put that energy into the things that you do want to see grow. What do you think the natural consequence of that will be? And, and if you're a logical person with sound mind and a little bit of clarity, you'll go, well, maybe the things that I do want to see grow will begin to grow. And then you'll be absolutely correct. You'll be like, well, that's true. So then, what if? Oh, yeah, go, go for it. What if you've got like, now, a lot of people will relate to this. Uh, addictions or like, uh, yeah. even if it's just comfort eating and things like that. But like, you could worry about what you're doing wrong and how that might yeah. be bad for your life. Yeah. But maybe that's even worse than, mm. maybe you can be okay with the fact that you're not doing everything perfect. Mm. Mm. But getting a bad state about that is worse mm. than the imperfections um, absolutely yeah yeah well i would i would suggest to anyone that's going through anything horrible like that is to control the controllables it's a little saying that i've come up with in sydney if you look at the the scenarios in your life that you have complete control over it's your duty to control them you can if you can control them if there are scenarios and this goes for everything else in the world that is out of your sphere of control. If there is anything else in the world you cannot control, do not spend energy, time worrying about it. You cannot do anything about it. And the counter argument to that is, well, Barry, I want to stay informed. All right, you can stay informed, but give it to me in bullet points. Don't give it to me in novels. I want to know what's going on. True, but then I move on to the controllables. I move on to what I can influence in my life. So the worry for me is worthless because worry doesn't do anything apart from sinking further energy into something that you do not want to see grow. Nicholas, it's very interesting. As I've explored this concept of quantum research and the law of attraction. I've discovered that the biggest challenge we face is we give attention to what we don't want, not what we do want. They're very different things. Saying you don't want cancer doesn't mean you want health. Saying you want health is saying you want health. It's a very different vibration. It is a very different energy frequency. Saying I don't want to be broke is not saying you want to be financially free. They're very different statements. Saying I want a healthy marriage is not the same as saying I'm going to be divorced next week. They're very different things. So we've got to get better at speaking about what we want, our desires, 
not what we don't want. And what we've become very good at is telling the world what we don't want. And you know what the universe hears? It just hears the crux of your statement. It's hears, for example, I don't want to be broke has broke as the focus point of what you're talking about. I don't want to have cancer has cancer as the focus point. The universe doesn't hear no. It doesn't hear I don't want. It just takes the essence of the vibration of your statement and magnifies that back in terms of life experience. That's why we've got to be very specific. Life is literal. We live and die by the tongue. So we've got to be very literal about what we want and get laser specific about what that means for you. And then say, well, Barry, my five desires are this, A, B, C, D, E. And I'm going, great, Nicholas, that's fantastic. You've identified what you want with no doubt, no negativity, and you've put it out there as an intention right? Now you begin working towards it, but you've made it clear. You haven't clouded it by telling me what you don't want. That's irrelevant because if you get the things you want as a byproduct, the things that you don't want won't be in your experience. So why tell me for the next two hours about the things you don't want? I want to know what you want. I want to know what you're for, not what you're against. Tell me what you're for and I'll show you the future. Yes, yeah. that's very good point. I'm wondering, so you mentioned um, you're writing down your desires, and I imagine yeah. if you had one-to-one -one sessions, that might be yeah. something you do. It when is. When it comes it to yeah. um, what other things might you do? For example, at the beginning, you mm. you mentioned um, what you did, what you wrote down, just your, what you're passionate about what, mm, as mm, well. Mm, so, so I'll give you a little, um, I'll, I'll give you a little six step process, Nicholas, if you have a pen and for anyone listening, I'd, I'd implore you to write these down. Do you have a pen? I don't have a pen, but I have a word processor. <laughs> okay. Write this down if you can. It's a little six step process that I use with my clients in Sydney. And what we do out of this plan is we end up having a blueprint on strategies, um, that you can move forward with. The first step I'd like you to consider number one is that I'd like you to define your desire. That's number one. So what, what we mean by that is I want you to get laser specific about what you want. And if you say to me that you want happiness, I need you to identify a metric. What does that mean for you? Will it be when you get married? Will it be when you get a job that you want? Will it be when you lose 20, 20 pounds? What, what does happiness mean for you? Get it down. The second step is to get into the possibility of this occurring for you. So what I do in this is I look around the world at people for examples on, is this a true thing? Are there people out there earning a million pounds a year? Are there people out there that have lost 20 pounds? Are there people out there that, that have the business that I want to have for myself? Are there people out there that actually are doing this thing? Is it real in the world right now? And then I find those examples and I start to convince the subconscious mind that this is a true thing. It is not something that it's just woo woo. It's, it's real here. Here are the people, right? That are, that are living this existence that I want. The third area is I need you to feel the feeling of this going on in your life right now. So what that actually means is, 
Can you close your eyes and encapsulate what it would feel like when this desire is now a reality for you? Can you do that for me? Can you get into your mind, go into a meditative state and say, oh my God, this is real. I'm now living in that area. I'm now married to that person. I'm now earning this amount of money. I'm now helping that charity. I'm now doing, I'm living in that area. I'm driving that car. I'm doing it. Oh my God, it's real. I need you to encapsulate the feeling of you already achieving it. You need to hold that feeling for 68 seconds. That's the combustion point. That's the combustion point where another feeling at the same frequency joins it. And please don't doubt it. Don't sit in your mind and go, oh, but how is it going to happen? And doubt creeps in and fear creeps in and there's a knock on the door in your house. You've got to get into solitude and you've got to feel this feeling. I do this twice a day, um, probably for the last six months I've been doing this and it is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I'm convincing my subconscious mind that it is real now. The reason I do it, Nicholas, and this is also something to jot down. From a scientific point of view, the subconscious mind does not know the difference between a real event and an imagined event felt vividly. It doesn't know the difference. It thinks it is real now, and it will then look for scenarios that match that frequency, that match that scenario, that match that situation in your mind, right? The fourth area is to release doubt and toxicity. Now, you, you can do the first three steps well. If you leave doubt and toxicity at its current levels, you're not moving forward. You're treading water. You're just staying put. You've got to be mindful of the people you have around you, the family and the friends that influence your state of mind. You've got to be mindful of your sleeping habits. You've also got to be mindful of the food that you eat and your social circles. If you feel drained after you have any one of these encounters in your life, the potential of it being toxic for you is very, very high. So I try to limit these scenarios. I won't completely get rid of them because I love some people. I don't want to completely cut them off, right? But I limit my time with them. And I get to a scenario where I realize what's healthy and what's unhealthy for me, okay? So it's very important to start doing that as well. The fifth area is to release the timing. A lot of people choke it by saying, it has to happen now. Barry, I want it to happen now, now, now. What we're really doing when we're choking something is we're introducing fear into the equation without knowing it, right? If you really want to control something that's out of your control, it's fear. It's fear masquerading as control. I'm not interested in fear. So I release the timing to a higher power. I work towards it. I do my meditation work and I release it. And it's very important to do that, Nicholas, because if you don't release it, you end up choking it and you end up just throwing the whole process in the garbage bin. So you look at the scenarios that have happened in your life and you ask, have they been perfectly timed for you? And once you answer, well, yes, they feel like they were beautifully timed for me, then all of a sudden your future scenarios can then be of the same persuasion. Your future scenarios 
are perfectly timed for you. So don't choke it by saying it has to happen right this second. The last area, number six, is to embrace your new reality. Once you have achieved what you want, know that you can get bigger. Know that you can get, you, you can actually expand what you want. It's the same energy. It is the same energy that moves the pebble, that moves the mountain. It might look like a different size. The pebble and the mountain are vastly different, but it is the same energy. It is belief. Can you believe that this is possible? And if you've achieved it in a small scenario, you're more than likely can achieve it in a larger scenario. It just comes down to how strong your belief is to be able to manifest the future that you want for yourself. So yeah, long-winded answer again. <laughs> no, that's very good though. That's actually tremendously helpful for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, go for it. So it's exciting. Yeah, so mm. it's pretty cool. It's 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 pretty cool knowing that we can mold the clay. It's not entirely random. It's not entirely with a roll of a dice left up to the gods. We have immense influence. And how cool is life? We can choose the direction we want to go in and then we will receive tailored lessons for that direction. Like how unbelievably awesome is that? We've, we can choose. Like no one's put a gun to your head. No one's put a gun to my head saying, you must do this. We can choose. And then the universe, God will say, well, okay, Barry. Okay, Nicholas, that's what you want. Here are the lessons you have to learn on that path. And then what do we do as human beings? We get stuck in our pain along that path. <laughs> We're like butterflies with our wings pinged down. <laughs> So it ends up being something quite tragic when it's something quite marvelous. Yeah, it's like a choose your own adventure, isn't it? People like it, it so much because they wish they were living that life, but instead they're not. So they just try to sort of live that life sort of on the side. Yeah, precociously through other people. And yeah. and what what we're saying is um you're driving the car. There's no one else. You've got lots of passengers if you want passengers, but you've got the steering wheel, man. Like there is no one that can tell this car to go apart from the steering wheel and the accelerator. Like you are the driver. So where do you want to go? The car is ready. It's full of fuel. Where do you want to go? And dealing with the traffic lights and the speed humps and the roundabouts on your journey to wherever it is you want to go. But no one's got, no one's in the driver's seat but you. The car represents your mind. Like you've got this beautiful faculty and choice of thought and then choice of direction and then dealing with those beautiful lessons for growth along that journey. Like this is all in your hands. You, you're, you're, you're a spark of divinity. And if we believe in God, and God created the world from nothing. He created the world from thought. Then we are sparks of that. So that means that in our own smaller level, we do the same. We create, we are creators of our own reality. And, and here we are, divine is looking at us going, 
you're making too much of your pain. You just got to find a way to move on. Like you're making too much of it. It is not, you're not meant to be stuck in it for decades. You're meant to take it as a lesson for growth and move forward with new intelligence and new data and make new decisions from that. So then there is no failure as long as you keep applying the wisdom that you've just inherited. It is, it is absolutely a marvelous, ingenious, beautiful way to live. And it is, it has been given to us, Nicholas, with, you know, we haven't got forever. We've only got six or seven decades to experience that frame of mind in. And what do we do? Spend our time complaining about the situations that we find ourselves in, which are really lessons for personal tailored growth, which is ultimately for our benefit. It, it becomes mm. a little bit surreal here, like, like, where is the downside? You know, like if anything, any downside that may exist is ego masquerading as resentment. And then the resentment keeps us in these painful moments of the past or the painful moments of people wanting to control the future for us. And uh, once you break free of that, you realize it's a much bigger world. And I've got something to, to ask you. Yeah, I've been please, pondering this please. myself. So I interrupted you. <laughs> but please, please, please go for it. So you're talking about, you know, if you, the idea of failure doesn't exist, but here's the thing. The, the idea of success is mm -hmm. often viewed as something which, well, there's certain things that are contingent upon you succeeding. If you achieve this, if you have the car, if you have this, if you have that, if you that, you're succeeding at life. It's the right, or if you do this and do that, it's the right thing to happen or the right thing to do. According but, to who? Exactly. According, if, according to you, you're making it up. But if you don't achieve that, then that suggests that you're not enough, that you're a failure, that you've... So the idea of soften, there's a dualistic idea of success that secretly yeah. actually has the belief that you're not enough and that you're lacking. Only so, if you Sorry, sorry, Nicholas. Sorry, I'll cut you off. Go. So often we we think about even the way we think about success is actually based Flawed. on and mm. a really negative view of things. Mm. Um, and well, like if you're we view that we're already that successful, uh, huge, we've got huge potential. We're already all of that. We're already enough. And we just got to choose whether or not we expand on that mm. because it feels good to expand it, not because we have to. But because we can. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting because um, the notion of success in Western society is often tied financially. It's often tied to a bank account. It's often tied to what you drive. It's often tied to how big your house is and where you take your holidays. Um, it's often tied to how expensive the kids' private schools are. So people view you as success, successful. I've stopped tying my self-worth to an external anchor. I, I have nice things. I have my second book coming out soon. I drive a beautiful German car. I do these things and I don't necessarily um, need people to validate me as successful because I have these things. 
in the past, I used to, I used to tie my success to being financially, um, I guess, viewed by the outside world as quote unquote successful. So I haven't done that anymore. I, I've looked at, am I helping people? That's one form of success. Have, is my family healthy and I'm providing for them? That's another source of success. Um, am I physically healthy, mentally healthy? Do I have clarity? That's another form of being successful. Um, can I give to a charity of my own volition? That's another form of success. So you're living life successfully, but if, if the outside world, Nicholas, continually um, uh, moves the goalposts as to what constitutes their version of success, you will be constantly cha chasing somebody else's idea of what they believe to be successful. And um, that's why failure ha has no bearing on anything because it's a chance to actually start more intelligently. It's a start, it's a chance to start with more wisdom. But yeah, I think there's a real stuffed up version of success in the world, like an ideology that, that and a lot of cultures are like this. I won't go into specific nationalities, but there are some nationalities that the first conversation would be, so how much do you earn a year? How, so what's your net worth, Barry? And I don't hang around those specific people anymore because that's, that's an inherited, habitual, subconscious conversation that they've been having all their lives. And they view success based on monetary terms and that is it. You know what, Nicholas? I know plenty of very wealthy people um, and that's all they've done is chase wealth. And if I ask myself whether they're successful in their home life, the answer is no, because they've sacrificed everything for finance, right? They've got broken marriages. Their kids aren't talking to them. Their family, no one sends them a Christmas card, right? It's, it's pretty horrible, but they've got a huge bank account. And they've realized as they've made this is that they've burned every other part of their life in order to chase financial success. So success just doesn't come from a monetary scenario. It's nice to have the money to do things, don't get me wrong, but it is not the only thing that exists. If you look at a successful life, it is not that. It is how do you, I think Earl Nightingale, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him in the 50s, was saying that his definitions of, of success was the pursuit of a worthy ideal. If you can pursue something that you feel is worthy in your life, to change something, to right a wrong that you feel exists, to fight for climate change, if you feel like that is something that needs fighting for, like that's success. That's pursuing something that you feel is worthy. But I think in the Western world, we've narrowed that to one or two things. And then we've habitually gone down a road that confirms that for a lot of society. So then no one challenges it. So it's status quo. And what these conversations that we're having, the books that are out there, the new book that I'm writing and other, other podcasts that are going on are all speaking to the fact that there are many, many versions of success. And we have to try and live some, a life that's based on love, unity, kindness, gentleness, reverence for all of life. And they are the methodologies we move forward with. And yeah, success is part of that as well. So it's, it's exciting for me to think about it in a broad holistic scope, not just as a very narrow vision. So when it comes to 
that's what you might call a culture that has an energy mm-hmm. to it. Absolutely. How do we do we change that? Starting with ourselves. Has to, you know, everything starts from within. Everything, everything happens in the outside world. But if you look at the reaction, it's within yourself. It's not from the outside world. So you can, you can, you can't control what happens to you, right? But you can control how you react to it. You can take a moment to breathe before you before you react. There's a moment between having something happen to you and reacting. There's a there's a millisecond there that you can choose to interject a deep breath, or you can just close your eyes and say, right. I can fly off the handle here, or I can just take a moment to breathe. And usually once you've taken three deep breaths, you approach it much more logically with a calm mind rather than um, reacting to every which way the world would have you react. So yeah, I look at, I don't pick, to give you an idea, I don't pick friendships anymore. I pick energy. I don't pick companies that I work for anymore. I pick energy. I always look at energy as the currency. Money is no longer the currency. Energy is. And I spend it as best I can with those that I will make an impact in with the most. So it ends up being a beautiful symphony of the right people with the right scenarios um, that align with my energy. And then I'm giving back that same vibration. All of a sudden, we both lift, we both go up. Um, but if I catch up with someone, and I feel that they're not honest with me, I feel that I leave their company just a little bit down. Um, and I can choose whether they need assistance or they need assistance. And they say, Barry, can you help me do this or do that? And Or if they don't want any assistance, that's fine as well. <coughs> But you choose your catch-ups. You end up choosing your catch-ups quite, quite specifically in the future. So yeah, because you're taking care of yourself. And well, and everyone in, else. Are gonna... Well, if you are, then you can help others, right? Exactly. Whereas if you're not, like, you can't. I um I had a post on Instagram a few days ago, um, and it's one of the quotes in my new book, um, and it said I. I have learned the lesson in 2022. I've learned the lesson that I cannot be kind to everyone else and remain hard on myself because I can't give away what I don't have. If I'm not first kind to myself, how on earth can I give it away to others? How can you give me five oranges, Nicholas, if you don't have five oranges to give me? You don't have them. How can you give them to me? So, what ends up happening is that people that offer kindness that are hard on themselves or really don't like themselves deep down is it's very short lived. It ends up, they end up having to keep trying to be kind to people. Whereas people that are kind to themselves give kindness as a way of being, as a way of living, not because it's something that makes you feel good momentarily. It is a way of living. It is a language that you are now speaking internally, that you are speaking to everything else, to everyone else. It ends up being, it ends up being in unity. There's no polarity inside yourself anymore. So if you can find a way to be kind to your mistakes and be kind to any things that you feel like you've done a wrong or you feel guilt for something that you've done in your past and you can forgive yourself, at least try to forgive yourself and move on. 
then you're showing kindness to self. And then when someone enters your experience and they say, well, Nicholas, what should I do here? That will flow out of you. You will say, well, you know, I did something similar and I chose eventually to be kind to myself. And now I'm offering it to you. I would like you to begin to start to forgive yourself to be able to move forward. Like, but you've got to start from you first. It can't be something you provide externally that you don't provide internally. Because I'll tell you what, you can't live in two worlds for that long. So, yeah. Mm. I don't know if that helps our conversation, but it's definitely helped I think it me does. Anyway. You know, I think it yeah. does. And like, yeah. I also like, if you are kind to yourself, that transforms your life for the better. It has to. You focus on positivity, you feel better. Other people see that and they can make the same changes or you can, they can ask you and you give them the advice. So it's like, you might seem that it's selfish focusing on you, yeah. but it actually, it's, it's not really, it, it changes everything. Well, tell me, you know, you're, I mean, it's an, the oldest analogy in the world, but it's, it's, it's true. You know, you go and you're, you, you're on an aeroplane and, and this thing is going down. It's about to land in the water. And what do they say over the microphone? You, you, to be able to help others, you've got to put your own life vest on first because you need to be able to float to be able to offer people assistance that are drowning. So how on earth can jumping and helping the guy across from you help when you are also drowning? You're both going to die. So, so you got to be able to be in a situation where you go, okay, I'm going to fortify myself. I'm going to put my life vest on. I'm going to show kindness to self first. And then that puts me in a position where I can offer assistance. Um, and if you can do that, then you can probably help the whole, the whole airplane. You know, you can help as many people as you can, but there's a reason that the flight authorities say that that's what you do is to be able to then help others. So read the books, uh, forgive yourself, offer kindness, offer love, but do that internally first as an inside job. And then when you feel like you're in that place of energetic positivity, then people will automatically say to you, Nicholas, Nicholas, you feel different. I don't know what it is with you. You've got a different energy signature. You just feel more positive. I don't know what it is about you. And you'll be in a position where they'll ask you for advice and you'll be able to come from a position of love and understanding and kindness and not judgment, but how do we get to the next step for you? How does that work? And all of a sudden you end up being a beacon of light because then hopefully the person that you've helped does the same. And that's how you create impact. And that's how you build your believers. And that's how you change the world. You got to start with you first and then your light shines outwards. And for me anyway, that seems like the best, the best way forward. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of funny and ridiculous, but something popped on my head. It's always on this finish off, right? So I, there was a show called uh, Heroes years ago. I was mm. like, change, save the cheerleader, uh, save the world. But I'm just thinking it's like, be your cheerleader, save yeah. the world. Hundred percent. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be the change that you want to see. 
Yeah. That's probably the best way. That's probably the best way to put it. How do? How can you? There's no point sitting there and and giving me the problems of the world and telling me why and how people are doing things wrong when you're not doing anything differently to change that. I don't. I don't want to hear those conversations. If you're actually actively doing something, then you can talk about it. But if you're sitting there and talking about it and not actively being the change that you want to see, how on earth can you expect it to change? And, and this is where we get into trouble because what happens is that we habitually get into a motion of complaining and we habitually, without even thinking about it or knowing that we're doing it, we get into a complaining cycle. And what sort of scenario do you think that feeds? Does it feed the toxic side of the universe or does it feed the friendly? Exactly. So we've got to become conscious creators, not just going with the status quo. So is there anything, any last sort of thing you'd want to say to sort of for anyone listening? Listen, I just think um, identify the next right move what that looks like after this conversation, you might've heard this conversation. It, you might, it might've inspired you. It might've motivated you. It might've, you know, really lit a fire in you. If you have that inspiration within you right now, identify what the next right move looks like from here. What is it that does it look like ringing your old boss for, for your job back? Does it look like doing a university degree? Does it look like helping the homeless? Does it look like losing 20 kilos? What is that? What does the next right move look like? And once you identify it, do it. Don't just sit there and go, oh, that would be nice. Do it. Make that next step. And all of a sudden, then you'll do the next step and the next step. And by the time you finish listening to a few more podcasts, you've made 20 steps. And all of a sudden, you're 20 steps down the road to the life that you want to lead. And then it's just around the corner. Well, that's fantastic. And I love how succinctly you put things. So um, thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. It was a great conversation. And without further ado, bye for now.